Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 120 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron. He is live from the shores of South Lake Union. I'm Don O'Neill, and I'm live from the shores of South Lake Union, but we are socially distancing, my people, right? In the Les Schwab studio. So I'm on this side of the tires, you're on that side of the tires, and the tires will separate us. Hey, uh, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, it has been Father's Day weekend, and we just had one of our best friends become a father for the first time. Uh, So we want to talk about that, and also as a dad, I was able to do something this Father's Day that I've never been able to do before, and I want to share that with you. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. The president hasn't had a rally in over 110 days. Then he decided to have a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th. Then June 19th, well, he found out. That's a day that African-Americans, really all of us, should celebrate the fact that, well, that's the end of slavery in the America. So he said, you know what? We'll go ahead and move it a day. So he went ahead, he moved it, and boy, did he think he was going to have an incredible rally. In fact, they thought there would be a 40,000-person overflow. Mike Pence, the vice president, was getting ready to go out and speak to the overflow. The president was pumped out of his mind. If you've never been to Tulsa, Oklahoma, it is the evangelical capital of the world. There's a church on every corner, maybe two churches on every corner. And he thought, you know what? Tens of thousands, if not millions of people are going to show up. But guess what happened? Some kids in TikTok and some K-pop stars, uh, they actually got involved in the rally. And as a result of that, I just looked at the front page of the paper wrong because I still look at the front page of the paper. The the failing Seattle Times. What happened? Seems like nobody was at the rally. All right. right, So you're going to need a flowchart to follow this. Don set it up pretty well, but let's go over some of the details here. So the president and his staff say, what's the biggest venue in Tulsa? And they say, well, it's the BOK Center, 19,000 people. Book it. Book that center because we're going to need, when we put this out online, we had over a million requests for tickets. Yeah. So we, the biggest venue you got, yep. indoors, we want it. So they, they, they booked the BOK Center. Don't think it's going to be big enough. Set up another secondary stage for 40,000 PA system. We're going to need barricades. We're going to need porta potties. We're going to need security. Get the people in the yellow jackets. We need all that stuff. We're going to need, need porta potties. We're need porta potties for the porta potties. We're going right. to need people that are going to have to go to the bathroom while they're setting up the bathroom. That's right. how many people are going to be here. So then uh, the president uh, tweets out. So the, his campaign manager says we've had a million requests for tickets. This is going to be huge. Mm. So uh, the president tweets out uh, a way to reserve your tickets. Well, someone on uh, the internet who follows him on Twitter uh, and is also on TikTok, which should I take a second to explain TikTok? Yeah. Okay. So TikTok is the latest uh, social media craze. Basically, if your grand, if you were on MySpace and then your parents got on MySpace, you moved to Facebook. Once your parents got onto Facebook, you moved to Twitter. Once your friends got on, your parents got onto Twitter, you moved to Instagram. Once you moved from Instagram, uh, you moved. You keep just moving along. Snapchat, and so, at some Snapchat, point. and then yeah. now it's TikTok. So okay. TikTok is basically it started out as a lip sync platform. You would take your favorite song, you would do your best lip sync video to that song 
posted on TikTok, or at the time it wasn't called TikTok, but you posted on this social media site. Your friends get to see you dancing and singing to your favorite song. So this thing became wildly popular among tweens. And then it sort of morphed into this thing where there are little sketches now that happen and little skits. It's because of quarantine right. and the families got bored. together. Yeah, like I know the Dew family, for instance, and Mary Dew is the head of Special Olympics here in Seattle. Well, she got together with her husband, who's a local mailman here. And then their kids, and they put together these phenomenal. I mean, they are really great dance moves. They do it in the dark. They have glow sticks. Uh, it is some of the funnest stuff that I've watched. And, and, and people start to lip sync everything. Like this is where yeah. Sarah Cooper rose to fame. She's the one that uh, that lip syncs the president's own statements, and yeah. she has great expressive face and eyes. Yeah. So uh, TikTok gets a hold of this tweet. Yeah. So people start making TikTok videos on how you may or may not attend this rally in Tulsa. And they, they claim, the TikTok audience, specifically for some reason, K-pop. I don't have time to explain K-pop. K-pop is the curated Korean pop groups. Think like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, but in, in Korea, South Korea, they churn these groups out, and they'll have seven, eight, nine members. They have a very specific look. They have a very specific dance routines and music style. They live in communes, kind of, where they get dance training and performance training, and the K-pop phenomenon is a big thing. For some reason, the K-pop audience grabbed onto this <laughs> and started gobbling up every ticket that they could. So K-pop's on it. It's uh, they're getting millions of views on TikTok. People all over the world are following this web link and getting all the tickets. So they um, do the official ticket scan rally at Tulsa. The ticket scans. Yeah. It wasn't nineteen thousand. It wasn't. 15,000. It wasn't even 10,000. Uh, officials there are saying that there were 6,000. Let me find the exact number because I, I don't want to uh, overstate or understate the deal. So it was... Uh, oh, don't tell me I can't find the number. It's somewhere like 6,200 actual yeah, attendees. It was, un it was under 7,000. Uh, Did not need the overflow thing. Not at it all. was not packed up. No. Very few people had masks on, uh, and very few people were practicing social distancing. It looked like uh, just a regular rally um, where, like, a concert was going on, except it was very under attended. I would have loved to have been there when a campaign staffer, because he knows six thousand two hundred people. Because when they try to explain to him what TikTok and K-pop is and was and how it affected because he thinks he can just rule and reign everything from twitter and i wonder if he's signing up for tiktok right now or a, a k-pop group even as we speak uh because it seems like they got one over on him in tulsa oklahoma here's here's what's incredible though you guys on a, on a serious note they are now saying by october 1st there'll be two hundred eleven thousand dead americans in other parts of the world right now in almost every country that you have traveled to, they are playing sports. They're back playing soccer. In the United States, where we'd like to be back playing sports, the NBA in Orange County, Florida, before the NBA showed up, they started testing for the virus. It was less than 5%, which is incredibly high. And if you remember the Republican governor there, and also you have the Republicans... In places like Arizona, they said, hey, we're going to go ahead and open up because 
this is a farce. So they went ahead and opened up. In Orange County, California, were they in California or Florida? Or I'm sorry, in For- Orange County, Florida, and there's an Orange County, uh, California. Orange County, Florida, where the NBA is supposed to basically get in a bubble and have a 22-game playoff season, it is up to almost 20%. And the NBA players aren't even there yet. You have college football players that are starting to show up at school, and by the hundreds, they have tested positive for this virus. I think the whole Clemson team is tested yeah. positive. By the hundreds. So we're looking at other parts of the world where they've been able to pivot and play. And here in the United States, I mean, and President Trump said this at the rally over the weekend. He reiterated. He said, well, they're testing too much. They need to slow down the testing. It's making me look bad. All, he said this. All the testing is making me and my administration look bad. Please slow down on the testing. And if we slow down on the testing, there won't be so many people then uh that basically what a, what a line of logic statis- statistically have or don't have the virus and then he'll have a shot at winning in november well it's clear that the the president has basically punted on this uh if you read the failing new york times or the failing washington post they are reporting this the the council headed by mike pence the covid health council doesn't really meet anymore. They don't do any press conferences anymore. We don't see Dr. Fauci anymore. Uh, we don't see the woman, I forget her name, Dr. Bricks. Is that her name? That yeah, has Bricks. the, the, the right. great uh, scarves. We don't see her anymore. Uh, they've they've kind of just said, hey, this is not a thing. Uh, states, if you want to do something, do something. But we're bored with this. It doesn't help our narrative. We're done with it. So from a public safety standpoint and a public health standpoint, as you can see with this rally, we're just ignoring it. We're saying we're bored, so we're going to pretend like it's not there. And it is there. It is increasing. My parents live in Florida. I talked to them on a Zoom call the other day, and I'm like, just be be careful because it is spiking in Florida. It is spiking in these other states where usually typically in the heat when it's 90 degrees plus, uh, influenza virus goes away. And that was one of the things we heard in February, March, April of like, we don't know if it's going to follow that same trajectory. And it doesn't seem like it is. Well, what you have to remember is a lot of kids that went on spring break. Where do you go when you live in the Midwest? It's one of the reasons why there are so many people from the Midwest that live in Florida and live in Arizona. If you go to an ASU student and you say, hey, where are you from? I'm from Michigan. Where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. Where are you from? I'm from Illinois. It, it's so cold and there's so much snow because I grew up in those places. And when you get older, you have a tendency to go to places that you know, that you know of. And so if you grew up in the Midwest, we spent a lot of time vacationing in Florida and vacationing in the Southwest, a place like Arizona. So these kids get older and they vacation there or they might even move there. And then their parents get older and they end up moving to those places too. I think what you see happening with, especially with spring break, and we saw this in New Orleans, the reason why they had such a spike is they went back to Mardi Gras. Nobody was wearing masks during Mardi Gras, and we saw this big spike. Uh, people left Mardi Gras. A million people came from Mardi Gras. They went back to specific parts of the country, and as a result of that, they carried this virus with them and this spread. Similar thing happened with spring break. Here's what's interesting to me, and we're going to come back and talk about this. Because with the Black Lives Matter marches, 
there's some new information, some new science. A lot of testing has been going on with the protesters. And what we have found out is incredibly interesting. And we'll talk about it next. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what Heather and Juan Carlos did. We lived in Redmond, and the kids went to school there. We loved it. We loved it. So we were super worried about leaving, but I, it just had to happen. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house, and they could tell that I was like super excited and ready to go and frenzied and breathless, and they could tell right away that Juan Carlos was like measured and careful. They came super prepared and they came more in learning mode, right? And what was important to each of us. I want to look at the data and the details. I don't, it, for me, it's a big investment and I don't want to rush into things. And they were quick to see that, even though I never told them. Uh, and I really appreciated that. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. Like, <laughs> The market was super hot right then, and so there were a lot of people clamoring for it. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete in that kind of a field. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. It's Ron and Don, episode 120, live from the Les Schwab Studios. We talked a little bit about the president, about the rally. Most of the people at that rally did not have masks on, weren't social distancing. So it'll be interesting to see now when they go back and they test people that were at that rally. We see people that went to spring break or went to Mardi Gras, didn't have masks on, and then... They've tested a lot of people, and what they found out is they've carried that disease to other parts of the country. It's interesting to me, though. Here in Seattle, they just got done testing 3,000 protesters that were out protesting, and you know what they found out? They found out that less than 1% of them actually tested for the virus. In Boston, it was 0.09%. In Minneapolis, where this all started, it was 1.1%. Here's the difference. With a lot of these protests, a lot of the protesters have been socially distancing and most of the protesters have had their masks on, right? And we've seen police officers too, a lot of them with their mask on, even in the midst of these protests. It seems to me that wearing the mask makes a difference. There's been a lot of people have just decided they're not going to wear the mask anymore. And I think people need to be careful as we head into the summer months here. I see pictures of folks all over the country, especially when they're in enclosed places like the president was at this rally in Tulsa, and they don't have their masks on. Uh, I was out today on looking at some homes, and I saw some other realtors with people, and you're only supposed to go in three people at a time into a house. They were going in six and seven at a time, didn't have their masks on. I saw an inspector in a house. Didn't have his shoes covered, didn't have his mask on. I went up to him and I said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a picture of you and your truck. You go put your mask and your shoe covers on, or I'm going to send this Department of Licensing, the DOL, and you're no longer 
going to be an inspector here in the state of Washington. So let me ask you so, this. Do you think- I called his boss, and I'm not a tattletale, but a guy like that, that guy like that is going to wreck my job because they have decided that buying real estate is essential, and the governor could step in and say, wow, well, if there's realtors out there and inspectors out there that aren't following the safety precautions that I've given. So I, I called, and you know what the woman told me on the phone from the inspection company? And I'm not going to say the name of the inspection company. And I called her and I said, I'm not sending this to DOL. I don't want him to lose his job. He's this young kid. And he was a smart, and gave me some, so nonetheless, I found out he was out in the field replacing someone that worked for them that has COVID. An inspector that has COVID. He's out filling in for this inspector. No mask on, no shoe covers, uh, and didn't give a rip about anybody else that was walking in and out of that house. And you know, Ron, it is, it is very, very stringent and very, very specific, the governor's orders in the state of Washington about walking into any business. And it seems like Americans, in a lot of ways, have just punted on this whole thing. Yeah, that is the, the American way, man, to like look out for yourself, uh, take care of your own interests first. Like, Not every country is, is like that, and not every mentality is like that. This whole concept of herd mentality and uh, taking care of the whole tribe, um, there's are many, many people that do not care and do not... Um, don't care what happens to other people. I'm curious, do you think this dovetails the protests that we're seeing, the Black Lives Matter movement, even stuff like Chaz, Chop, whatever you want to call it on Capitol Hill, because people have been cooped up for so long, and maybe a lot of people have lost their jobs, as you referenced. Maybe people have more free time, quote unquote, uh, they can get out and, and get out in the middle of the day and march uh, because maybe they just postpone a couple Zoom calls. Uh, did uh, Do all of those things, do you think they're going to equal legitimate lasting change? Like, does this feel different to you than the other times we've had Black Lives Matter? The other, like, people march in Seattle all the time. Uh, in our radio career, we covered marches down the middle of I-5 and on the on-ramps and downtown and marches and riots and rallies and people lighting fires and throwing stuff through windows. Like, this is, we like to march in Seattle, but this is now happening nationwide what what do you what's your hunch on this? Well, nothing's going to happen if you you can you can tear down all the statues that you want, but tearing down statues and we've seen Ulysses S. Grant go down. Now people want to take down the Teddy Roosevelt statue and they want to take that down not because of Teddy Roosevelt but because flanked on the ground walking next to his horse is a Native American and flanked on the other side is an African American and Teddy is up on his horse and everyone's saying, hey, that's celebrating colonialism. It probably is, right? So I think when we look at taking down statues, people are doing that out of anger and because they want to, to, to correct our history. Uh, you look at some old history books. I remember reading in history books when I was growing up that slaves were well taken care of. And that being a slave could be fun. Uh, you know what I'm finding out at the age of 53? And I think I knew this before 53, that slavery probably wasn't that fun. <laughs> exactly. It probably wasn't. Can, so, can I take one detour on that? Because you just mentioned that. I just had a long drive I had to take. And I listened. I, I don't usually do this. This is going to sound like a, just an ad advertisement for a different podcast. And it kind of is. And the thing that got it's called, there's a podcast called Uncivil. And it's 
three years old. It's from 2017. But what it is, uh, is a retelling of Civil War stories from the black perspective. And I was listening to all these as I had this multiple hour drive over the weekend. And there's one part where they're doing a Q&A live session. And one of the panelists says, and he was joking uh, because they're giving out all this amazing information. And he was joking. He said, man, we're not even getting paid by these white people to educate them. Uh, something along those lines. It got a big laugh and uh, everybody sort of got a belly chuckle out of it. But it, it was true in a sense where you're like, wow, am I, am I asking for my education on these racial issues and on these racial histories for someone to give that to me with no effort? Like, am I that guy that's just sort of passively going, okay, well, tell me your stories. Tell me what's great. So it's like, we have to all put in a little effort, I think. And this way is one of the great ways to do it. And just as a teaser, the first episode is about a slave that escaped from his owners in their efforts to recapture that slave, to reclaim the slave. Turns out the slave owners were George and Martha Washington. There was a young female slave escaped from their custody and the lengths they went to to get her back will astonish you. This is the founding father. Our state, I believe, is named after this man. And when you hear this story and how they basically drove their heel uh, into her neck for the rest of her life, uh, it is remarkable. So that's episode one. Uh, the, there's another episode. Well, hang on. Let's, let's stop right there because we're talking about peeling down statues. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine, uh, mine the other day. He lives close to, they just took down the Robert E. Lee statue in New Orleans a couple of years ago. He's like, what are they going to do with Robert E. Lee? That's a major thoroughfare in New Orleans. What are they going to do with all the Confederate generals that are celebrated throughout the South on just about every street that you pull on, right? Or they've been talking now about renaming uh, some different forts because they're named after Confederate right. channels. Well, that's so what going back, So going back to Washington, right. th this was the thing we were, I was always told growing up. He may or may have not chopped down a cherry tree. George Washington was not a slave owner. and But George Washington set his slaves free at the end of his life. So then the question is, if you're not a slave owner, then how do you set them free? And they say, then they blame it on his wife, Martha. They say, well, Martha had over 416 slaves. And then she's the one that brought the slaves to Valley Forge. What you find out is Martha owned two-thirds of the slaves. George owned the other third. And if it wasn't for all that free labor, then Valley Forge would not work at that time. When they said he set all the slaves free, he didn't set Martha's slaves free, and he set about 17 slaves free. So, Washington, do we name Washington? Do we look at our money differently? Because at the end of the day, uh, George Washington was very guilty. Very no, all of the founding fathers old slaves. Yeah, so. But the narrative you talk about education is another episode they do called The Lost Cause. Mm -hmm. And so they trace back why did, where did those mythologies come from? Where did the stars and bars come from? Why did, how did that become the symbol uh, uh, of the South? Um, and the Lost Cause thing is a fascinating episode where these women who lost husbands, brothers, uncles, family members were bitter when the, the, the South lost the war. So they immediately started a retelling of that history to take these men that in their life were heroes and, uh, and, and turn them 
into heroes. And so they, they step by step, brick by brick, set out to rebuild the historical South. And so they did it with a couple things. One is all the statues. Almost all those statues are uh, paid for by the Daughters of the Confederacy. You are explaining something to me that I explained to you in our last podcast. I understand. But this I'm saying, everybody, if you want, listen to this Uncivil podcast. Okay. But the part, then they, the, the Daughters of the Confederacy started joining school boards, getting elected at, at local levels. And sons. And, yeah. and, and adopting. Then they had their own scholars create curriculum that then became part of the school curriculum. And they would have, they were called Confederate Catechisms, where every child that was young had to do a call and response to all of these mythologies, where the, the instructor would say, um, you know, slave owners treated their slaves well, and that they would have a call and response. They would go back and just do these things. And then this mythology around Robert E. Lee and how he was taken as a symbol and over two decades created into this myth of uh, this Christian warrior. And so when you listen to these episodes, and I just encourage, just go find, it's on every podcast player, it's called Uncivil. You listen to this from the black perspective and you hear about black spies and you hear about uh, the, the um, lost cause and you hear about, you know, freed black men that joined the Union Army and, Army and went, came back and raided a plantation to get their uh, people out of that plantation and the bravery that it took and what it was uh, to fight. None of them back down with no training. First time they'd ever have worn a pair of boots and had a gun. You hear these stories and it changes the narrative. They're very well documented, very well presented, very historically accurate. They have all the source material. And you go, why was I never taught that? I've got an A in history my entire life. In fact, as a humble brag, I went in, I was, history was my thing in high school and college. I one time was taking finals at University of New Mexico. I had a big window open in the day. And I said, I'm going to go take the final of this history class that I didn't even attend just to see if I can remember awesome. Western civilization. Uh -huh. I went to a Western Civ class and I wasn't even registered in the class. And I got a B plus on that final. Just be, I mean, I just loved history. I never heard any of these stories. I never heard any of this narrative. I never learned any of these heroes and there's not any statues or, and, and they joke in one of the pies like, why aren't there movies about this? Why do we have fast and furious nine? And you don't have one movie about a, a female black spy that single-handedly infiltrated the president of the Confederacy and had a photographic memory. And she's the one she sewed secret messages into clothing and escaped under a pile of manure. And I go, it's like, that's a, that's a great movie. Why is that not a movie? But yet we're going to get all these other movies that, that show the white hero coming in and, and doing this stuff during the Civil War. Um, it really changed. I listened to it once before in 2017. Hearing it again now with what's going on with these marches and just, I think, educating myself a little more is like, okay, that's, my, that's on me. Yeah. I need to take some effort. And after we talked to Doc and Ed a few episodes ago, I need to take the effort to learn these things. So, so, so let me ask you this, because when I have brought up this type of history before and I ask people, what do you do about the name of the state of Washington? What do you do about Robert E. Lee Drive? What do you do about our currency? Uh, what do you do about the Ulysses S. Grant statue that just got pulled down in Portland? And we're like, I thought he was for the north. So 
What do you do with Teddy Roosevelt? People keep saying, this is our history. This is our history. You know what happened to the statues in New Orleans, the four that they pulled down? Nobody wants them. There's a Confederate museum there, a Confederate museum that reenacts North versus South. They don't want them. They couldn't find anyone to take those statues down. The mayor couldn't. They had to do it in cover of night, afraid to be firebombed. They had snipers set up to pull these statues down. We still don't know the contractor that took them down. They had to go to Texas. We talked about that before. Uh, one of those statues I saw a picture of the other day, it's the Beauregard statue. And it's just wrapped up and it's like just hanging out. There's a Confederate behind, statue behind a, in behind, Seattle. Behind a Walmart. From the Daughters of the Confederacy. Seattle, Washington has a Confederate statue. That, but, 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 but I've debated that, that story with you before. Like that story of me is not new. We have, we have talked right. about that story. And everybody always felt like when I brought this up that I was crazy in debating our currency or calling this the state of Washington as a bridge too far. King County wasn't named after Martin Luther King. It wasn't. So someone can do their history lesson now and find out how come we refer to it as King County and we have pictures of Martin Luther King, but it wasn't named after Martin Luther King. Who's covering up what there? And believe me, something got covered up. So I'll give you the final say on that. I agree with you. Uh, when you listen to Uncivil, the only pushback I would give is I don't know that that's history from the black perspective. I think it might be history from the right perspective. I, I agree. That's well said. Uh, I, I am not one that needs to hero worship the founding fathers. I I don't have a problem with reevaluating these things. I really don't. I don't. These men were not deities. They were not um, someone that we need to have statues and giant monuments to. Um, even though I've been to all the ones in Washington D.C. and they're 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 phenomenal to look at as a, from a tourist perspective, but they were flawed human beings. They're from a different era and a different time. It is part of our history, and so I don't feel like our state would be diminished if it was named after a, a Native American tribe. If it was named, I mean, you, if you unravel and pull on that thread, it goes all the way back to. Everything we see, including where we're standing right now, is stolen land. Like, but that's the way the world functioned then. You came in, a conquering society conquered another land and colonized that land. Uh, we, there's no way to put that genie back in the bottle. But I think you also don't need to take the history from the victorious side and say that's the only history. Yeah, and I think the important thing is, and we talked about statues before, 1,503 statues throughout the country that honor, honor the Confederacy. Confederacy only lasted three and a half years. And then the sons and daughters went out, raised a lot of money, took their grandpas and their dads, and they put them up on majestic horses in places, showing them doing things that they never did. Robert E. Lee, that circle, he never won a battle there. He's not from New Orleans. He didn't do anything significant in New Orleans. You can find the same statue in Atlanta. Never did anything there. So you could argue, if you saw that in Virginia, where he was from, maybe you could argue that. Uh, but maybe taking that statue and put it in a history museum, and again, nobody seems to want it. All I'm saying, go ahead and pull them down. But if you don't change policy, open up the paper today or jump online. We kept hearing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, they're firing the police department. The police department has been fired. So uh, let me grab your paper. And this is not on the front page. Minnesota, this is on A6. Minnesota fails 
to pass any type of policing overhaul measures. That is a lot of work. And that's the work that needs to be done. Because COVID's going to go away. This push and support of Black Lives Matter may go away. And when the support goes away and Americans get on with their lives and you didn't change the policy, then we'll go right back to where we started from. We come back. Uh, Father's Day weekend. Uh, I was able to do something this Father's Day I'd never been able to do before. I want to share it with you next. It's the Ron and Don Show, episode 120. Don't forget, you guys, you can reach out to us. Just write Ron. Ron at windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Everything is at ronadon.com hey it's geforce o'neill thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend mr ron all right you guys episode 120 of the ron and don show thanks for listening we really appreciate you and don't forget we're licensed realtors at windermere we've been doing a lot of ron and don virtual sit downs we'd love to sit down with you all you have to do is reach out to ron ron at windermere.com and don o'neill at windermere.com. Something I wrote this week about Father's Day I want to share with you as we close. Um, it says, I used to dread this day, Father's Day. Uh, and if I'm going to be honest with myself, I actually felt sorry for me. And I've always been quick to let people know my feelings about my father. And I will let you know that he left when I was young, that he disappeared from my mother, that he abandoned us, which he did. Uh, And he left her to raise, provide, educate four young children all on her own. But in the last few years, my journey to try to deal with my own demons connected to alcohol has given me a different perspective. And although I was never raised by a traditional father, I now see the universe and I see the universe looking out for me by allowing me to be in the company of some really incredible men and one woman that I want to tell you about real quick. I took a picture. I put it up on my Facebook page. It's a group of guys, extraordinary men uh, that I've been meeting with for years, Wednesdays and Fridays after I teach my spin class. We call ourselves the Breakfast Buddies. In fact, I, I stole that from Tony, uh, our good friend. Uh, Tony Miner. Tony Miner, who was our anchor for years, he used to do a morning show called The Breakfast Buddies, right? And you took his name. Yeah, we stole it. Anyway, so I put up the picture and I said, you know, we had the Breakfast Buddies, we haven't been together for months because of COVID. And then last week, we all got together. And these guys, this group, we've weathered a lot of storms together. And these are also the men that are responsible for helping build the Cleveland High School football field uh, in the inner city of Seattle. So anyway, buddy number one. He's this guy in the picture on my right. You may have heard of him before. I call him Maui Joe Kenny. The only thing bigger than Joe's ego is his heart. And he won't tell you he loves you. He's just going to show you. And Joe has taught me to show up in my own life. He's my real estate mentor, my friend, my partner, and really like an older brother to me. He also led my son as we swam with the turtles. And we experienced black belt courage just a couple months ago. Uh, He was there on day three of my recovery when I started to count my days. And Joe is also one hell of a dad. There's no one like him, nor should there be. But he's truly one of the great men in my life. Buddy number two, behind Joe in this picture, is Lieutenant Commander Carter the Raven Harrington. The Raven flew 280 missions off an aircraft carrier in Vietnam. 
I called Carter one day, the Raven. I think he's 75 now. Find out what he was doing. He was in the middle of transporting the whole, the whole Cleveland high school football team to the dentist. He wanted to make sure that every single child had an exam and that every young man had a custom mouth guard to play under the Friday Night Lights. You don't have to ask Carter for the shirt off his back because when he sees your need, he'll see it before you do. He'll have already washed the shirt, folded it, and it's in your dresser drawer waiting for you. I don't know of a man who gives more to the community, who's given more to his country and his five kids than Carter. The Raven is truly one of the great men in my life. Buddy number three, he stands on the left in this picture in this coffee shop the other day. It's so good to get together and see buddy number three. His name is Scott Scotty Douglas. I got to know Scott after he had a heart attack in my class. I used to call him Heart Attack Scott. And thanks to Steve Martin, my good friend on Engine 20 on Queen Anne, Scott is still with us. They saved his life. In fact, the home that I raised my little boy in, Scott designed and helped build. He is a girl dad, and he lives with a pack of women. And you girl dads know how awesome and challenging that can be. But there's no one better at it than Scotty Douglas. Scotty, thanks for not dying in class. That would look bad on my instructor resume. You would not be instructor of the year if someone dies in class. Hey, Scotty, you know I love you. I respect you tremendously. And you're truly one of the best men that I know. Honorable mentions, a couple here. Buddy number four. You may know this guy's name is Ron Upshaw. A second dad to my son. A great business partner. A great friend. And what I love about Ron is he is so curious, you guys. And he is a lifelong learner. And the most loyal person that you will ever know. If Ron is in your corner, he is not coming out. Never. Especially if you have snacks. He's truly one of the great men and humans in my life. And thank you for that, Ron. Audible mention number five. As I type this right now, coach and trooper Nolan Washington and his wife Morgan should be welcoming Mia into the world. This is their first child. At the age of 29, Nolan is a great local coach. He's the one that got us involved in Cleveland. He's a great cop. He's also a WSU Cougar. He's a football great there, you guys. And he cares so much about the world that we live in, making it a better place as a young trooper. And I just have so much respect for him. And guess what just happened? Guess what just happened after I got done writing this? Baby Mia stormed into the world. Nice. Congratulations. Baby Mia is with us. Congratulations to Nolan Washington and his wife, Morgan. And as I told Nolan, I said, man, you better learn to swaddle. And when you put that baby in the swing, baby wants to be swaddled tight and baby likes it fast. Put it in that swing. Here's something that, that that is new for me. This is new. This is new. To my father. Thank you, Dad. As I've wrestled with the same chemicals in my brain that you wrestled with your whole life, I have come to understand what a difficult life you had. Your father was also vexed with the same battle that you and I have had to face by you exiting early from our lives, from our family lives. It meant I didn't have to grow up around the anger and the rage that I witnessed from you when I was young. I appreciate all the rides in your semi when I was in elementary school. I'm proud of you for being a firefighter, a paramedic for saving kids' lives, and specifically that one baby you saved after she drank Clorox 
and you're also a veteran in the United States Army. Thank you for serving your country, Dad. I thought you were the coolest dad around when I was a kid, and I miss that dad. Rest in peace, John. You did the best you could do with what you knew. I believe that, and I'm grateful that you were my dad. Finally, to my mom. You often say when it came to raising us that you didn't have a choice, but mom, you did. You could have run. You could have left us too. You could have numbed. You could have escaped, and you could have felt sorry for yourself. But you did what you've always done. You turned to gratitude and to God. And as I weather my own steez, trying to parent seems to be a very challenging world right now. You found the rudder. You led from the front. You showed up to every game. And you spent many nights with me, helping me type a term paper till 3 o'clock in the morning, only to get up at 5 and go work another 10-hour day. You are my hero. You are my North Star. You are my dad. And that is more than enough, Mom. You've been more than enough. I know you always felt like you weren't. You were, and you are. And you are the best human that I know. Thank you, and I love you, Mom. Deep gratitude. Thanks to all seven of you on this Father's Day. With so much love for all of you. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. We love all you dads. Can I ask a technical question at this point? Sure. Is there something I need to know? I'm the only guy on that list with no kids as far as I can tell. (laughs) Do you know something I don't know? (laughs) He's Ron. I'm done. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. And if you've held something against your dad for decades like I did, maybe it's time to let it go and forgive him and focus on the good stuff. All right, you guys? Focus on the good stuff. Focus on the good stuff. And we'll see you next time for episode 121, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Ron and Don. (laughs) Okay. You good? Yeah. Okay, let's keep going.